What's up, Pickleheads? Today we're diving deep into the art of the drop. Whether you're a beginner or an advanced player, we got you covered. So uh, let's get started talking about the drop, one of the most important shots in pickleball. Awesome. So what is the drop? Uh, so just to start, we want to give you guys a little bit of an introduction to the drop in case you don't know what it is and help you guys to better understand it. So a drop uh, originates from, it could be tennis, it could be a different sport, but most likely it originates from tennis, where you hit the ball from the baseline or from the back court, and you're just hitting it barely over the net so that it lands really, really short, makes your opponent have to run forward to get to the ball. In pickleball, it's a little bit different to where we hit it into the kitchen so that we can cause our opponents to have to hit up on the ball. Because if we hit that ball into the kitchen, chances are it's going to bounce lower than the net. So they won't be able to keep us back for long, and it'll help us to be able to advance into the net. So I like to think about the drop as a dink from the baseline. So it's a dink with a little bit more on it, and it's just going barely over the net. The best way that you can hit a drop is if the peak of the ball is at the net and it starts heading downwards once it's reached the net. So that's the way that I like to think about the drop. Yeah, that's like the, the ultimate drop. That's what everybody aims for, something that yeah. can start diving down or going a downward trajectory right as it goes over the net. And in the beginning, and even even for more advanced players, like it's hard to consistently do that. Um, we would always caution to make sure you're getting the ball over the net, even if even if it's a little farther than the height of the net, and then work on over time as you're drilling and everything else, uh, trying to get that ball, like Austin said, to drop um, right as it crosses over the net is, is the best time. And the reason for that is so that the other team can't, uh, can't pop it up. So we'll talk a little bit about why, why we drop. Like you mentioned, Doss, the dink is very similar to the drop. Uh, the drop's just being done from a, a farther distance away. Uh, the drop can have a little bit more pace on it. But the reason why we drop is so that the opponent, since they're not allowed to enter the kitchen or enter that non-volley zone, it's so that they can't put away a ball or get an easy ball. They're going to have to reach for it. Uh, you can only reach so far in the kitchen. Um, so they either have to let it bounce so that they can come in there and hit it, um, or that you know they got to wait for it to uh, to come to them. Um, so more on on why we drop. Um, if we're driving, typically that drive is at a higher. Uh, I'm not going to say altitude. What what's the word I'm looking for, us? I mean, usually the drive's a little bit higher, a little bit more in the strike zone of somebody so that they can punch the ball right back. Yeah. Whereas a drop, once it falls and hits the net, the opponent has to hit the ball up. They don't have another option. It has to go up before it goes down because it has to go back over the net. And if they're hitting the ball up, odds are that if they hit a ball that's really hard, the ball's going out. If, if they hit a ball um, too much in an upper trajectory, well, then that's in your favor, so you can put that ball away. So... Odds are they're going to have to uh, to dink it back to you, um, especially if you're if you're hitting a good drop. 
Yeah. Uh, Oz, how often do you, you know, more on why of the drop, but how often do you drop versus drive? And, and why would you say? Yeah, so coming from a tennis background, I came in as an advanced banger, meaning I would drove every single shot. <laughs> and I thought more power, the better. But now that I, as I've become a better pickleball player, I've realized if you can get a drop drive hybrid where it starts heading downwards as soon as it hits the net and it's low and it's like a 60% drive. So 60% power instead of 100% power, like how when I, when I started, that's what I do. You can get mm-hmm. that hybrid where it's a mixture of the both of them both. You can transition to the kitchen a lot easier and typically you'll get a pop-up either for you or your partner for them to put away. A um, couple of people in town where we live do a really, really good job of doing that hybrid. And it makes it so difficult for the person on the opposite side of the net to just keep the ball in the kitchen and low because you don't have the option anymore to keep them back. And you also don't have the option to hit it at their feet mm-hmm. because that ball is coming in pretty dang quick, you know, 60% of what a drive would be. Plus it's dropping. But, um, that's something that uh, as I started playing more and more pickleball, I realized you can't win a point by just hitting the ball as hard as you can because <laughs> all that the people at the net have to do is block it back. They just use your power and block it back at your feet deep over and over and over again. And so you'll never be able to reach the net. You're not going to outpower them if they're a decent enough player. So the drop mm-hmm. is essential to getting to the net and creating a point. That's why we drop, I would say. Um, as for the percentage, because that was your question, right? Like drive to drop yeah. percentage. I will drive the ball. It depends on who I'm playing. If they have a really, really good deep return, it's either high or low with a lot of slice or something like that, I'm going to drive that ball 90% of the time so that I can get a good fifth shot. So my third shot I'm driving, my fifth shot, or the fifth shot, not my fifth shot. It's actually going to be my third shot. But after that third shot, I'll drive their return. And then the next shot, I will drop it because it's going to be shorter in the court and it's not going to have all of that nasty spin. It's not going to have the amount of power and stuff like that. So it kind of sets me up for the fifth shot. So 90% of the time with that, the other uh, percent of the time is only if they just don't have a good return it makes a lot more sense for me to get to the net and create a point. So I'm going to drop mm-hmm. if that ball is low and short in the court. If the ball is high and short in the court, I'm going to drive because it gives me an opportunity to hit down on the ball. So majority of the time I'd say I'm driving, uh, but it really does depend on the quality of return that they give to me. What about you? Yeah, th- those are all important points. Let's let's go more into detail on, on some of that. So the last thing that you said, and then remind me the couple other things that you said when I'm done making this point. So if they re- if your opponent returns the ball um, to you and, and you have a third shot opportunity, but they return it short in the court, like you said, if that ball is a little bit high, we're most likely going to drive that ball. One, for the reason that you said, we can hit that ball in a downward trajectory. Um, and number two, the reason that we would drive that ball is because it's going to get to the opponent faster than it would if we were at the baseline. So they have less time to react. Um, so they're not going to be able to react as well when you get into playing real advanced players, 
um, you know, 5.0 plus, even a little bit below that. Sometimes even those high short balls, it's possible that we drop those two if the opponents are at the kitchen line and they're ready. Um, you know, if they're ready to receive that ball. 100%. Um, but I would say two. I definitely drive that ball more often than uh, than I drop it, only for those two reasons. I can hit it in a downward trajectory, and then there's less reaction time by the opponents on the other end because that ball's getting to them just a little bit faster because I'm already midway into the court. Yeah, I'm glad and you then, brought that. I'm glad you brought sorry. that up because that's exactly. Yeah, go ahead. I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly what I'm thinking. Is I'm watching that opponent. As they return my serve, if it's short, I'm watching them come into the court. If they're late getting up, I'm 100% going to drive that ball if it's high in lobby. But yeah. if they're already at the net, it makes no sense to drive the ball. Maybe some sense if it is still high because you can get it low on them and set up your next shot. But even so, if they've already made it to the kitchen, it's probably a better idea, like Spencer was saying, to drop that ball. So it's all about trajectories. Yeah, for sure. And... Uh, uh, another point that you were making. So you'll say if someone has a real deep return, um, you know, or an aggressive return, lots of times I'll drive that ball just to make one, just to make sure that I get it over. But two, I'll drive that ball, not because I think I'm going to hit a winner, even though, you know, cause the winners happen like maybe, maybe one out of 10 times on a drive. Yeah. Uh, especially at advanced levels, maybe one out of 15 times on a drive. Typically, they'll just block that ball back. But the reason that we drive in that situation is, one, to make sure it goes over, and two, you can correct me if I'm wrong, the re- the, the second reason that I'll drive that ball instead of dropping it is to set myself up for the fifth shot so that hopefully their block, um, however they counter my drive, isn't as hard as their uh, you know their original return. And then I'm able to drop on that fifth shot and, and work my way up to the kitchen. Is that kind of your logic going into it? Yeah, since they're on the run coming forward, if you drive that first shot, they're not going to be, on, they won't have enough balance to hit that ball with enough power that's going to come as with that's going to come with as much power as they did their return. So it's going to mm-hmm. give you a better opportunity on your fifth to drop that shot. That's exactly why I do it too. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, another point on that, if I'm, when I've, not when I first started playing, but a little while into it, I just thought, okay, when I drive, I'm going to drive as hard as I can just so I can try to hit winners. It didn't occur to me that, hey, maybe I should drive this ball and just make sure that I get it over, put some pace on it for sure, but it doesn't need to be as hard as I possibly can because I want to make sure it goes in just so I can set myself up for the fifth shot. And yeah. and let me explain for any any beginners out there too um, what what the fifth shot is. And we, and we can explain what the third shot is too, just, just briefly. So the serving team, obviously when they serve, they're hitting the first shot. So that's shot one. Then the second shot of the point would be the return by the opposite team. So that's two. And so the third shot that we're referring to falls on the serving team so it goes back to them and that's when they decide if they want to drive or drop that ball to try to uh, get to the net then say they drive it the following shot i know this seems elementary the following shot falls on the opposite team the receiving team 
which is the fourth shot. They block it back. And now it's the opportunity for the fifth shot of the serving team. So again, a lot of times we'll drive on the third just to set ourselves up for the fifth. I like to get out of my mind most times uh, if I'm playing advanced players um, on my drives. Hey, I'm not going to hit it as hard as I possibly can to try and win the point. I'm not winning the point on the drive the majority of the time. I'm setting myself up for my fifth. If that doesn't work out, I'm going to try to set myself up for our seventh shot. Uh, and and the point of it all being trying to get to the net and become um, and turn defense into offense. As we move towards the net, that's our goal is to turn the defense into offense. Yeah, uh, I really like that. I what's what's interesting and what I've realized is what separates a four zero from a four five is the four five can make the correct decision on drop or drive and they can get in that drop more consistently than a 4-0 would. Yeah. But what separates a 4-0 from a uh, sorry, a 4-5 from a 5-0 is more consistency with the drop. And then what separates a 5-0 from 5-0 plus 5-5 to pro is the pros have a fantastic fourth shot. Is what I found. Mm-hmm. So the fourth shot being you hit your drop but they keep you back or you hit your drive and they can hit it within like two inches of the baseline consistently. And that's what's separating that five O level from the pro level is they can do that way more consistently on that fourth shot, no matter how devastating that drop is. So it just shows you the importance of hitting an effective drop consistently will take you up levels quicker than I think anything else other than, of course, consistently dinking after that and after you transition. Yeah, that's a great point. There's a lot of focus on the third shot. You hear third shot, third shot, third shot, not as much focus on that fourth shot, but that fourth shot can be super important too. Because after a team's look, after a team hits a third, say it's a drive, lots of times they're looking to poach too. So your fourth shot, you can't pop up. Uh, or that's going to get annihilated. Uh, your fourth shot, you can't hit too short because then you're bringing them right in. Uh, so you want to get it down. You want to be able to get it with pace. Yeah. And uh, it's definitely a great shot to work on. But that's a good point that you make that, yeah, I mean, the pros, their fourths are really solid the majority of the time. And and sometimes they'll purposely, more advanced players will purposely leave a window open on the court when it's your turn to hit a third. And and I noticed this recently when I played with a couple of guys uh, that, that were a lot more advanced. And I noticed that they were kind of leaving me the sideline and baiting me into driving to that sideline, mm-hmm. knowing that they could come right back to it. Um, but they they got me a few times on that and ended up, ended up winning the point and keeping us back because uh, they were baiting me into hitting in the open court. So anyway, uh, a little bit more on how to drop us. Um, need to have somewhat of, of a loose grip, but more important than that, just like with the dink, you want to keep your wrist um, pretty, pretty locked if you're doing a basic drop. Uh, we don't want too much wrist movement this way. We also don't want too much wrist movement this way. So um, I mean, think of it as a block from low. Typically, the paddle face will be open, 
And then the most important part about the drop is your swing path should not be, in most cases, a gigantic swing path. Um, with the drop, it should just be a touch with a basic drop. When you're putting slice on it, we can talk about that in a little bit, or when you're putting topspin on it, that's a little bit different story. But if we're talking about a basic drop, either backhand or forehand, paddle face open, paddle head down, um, and just a short, short tap. When it's coming with a ton of pace, we don't even need to, we don't even need to push forward much at all. Uh, at least that's my experience. Um, it's basically just put your paddle there and maybe, maybe move it just, just an inch or so to make sure that the ball has enough pace to get back. Because if you're putting too much on it, or if your swing path is too big, you're popping that ball up, and that's going to give them an easy put away. Uh, Os, what grip, um, what grip pressure would you say between one and ten to put um, on a drop? If say on a third, someone returns the ball, so it's not coming with a ton of pace, uh, just an average return. What kind of grip pressure are you using, and what is your swing path like? Yeah, just building off of what you said, if I'm tense at all, I'm not going to do my motion and it's going to go into the net. So I would say I'm about a three or a four out of 10 with grip pressure. So I'm pretty dang light on it. And I'm trying to relax my arm and really just lift from the shoulder as I hit the ball. Now, as that ball comes faster, as Spencer was saying, you want a shorter motion. But the only way that you're going to figure out that motion is by drilling it and hitting that shot over and over again with different Mm -hmm. paces coming at you. That's why drilling is so important and having different drills to do so that you can get used to different paces to where it just becomes muscle memory where you don't even have to think, oh, I have to go two inches here on this drop. And this drop, I have to go a foot and a half. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it just becomes muscle memory. It becomes a lot easier as you drill it. And I'd say the most important thing with the drop is literally that uh, grip pressure, making sure that you stay relaxed as you hit it in your hand and in your arm. Because if you're tense at all, it just, it hits into that brick wall of tensity. It feels those muscles in your arm tense up and it just becomes like as if it hit a wall and it can only just travel straight out and down from there. So you're going to end up hitting those drops into the net or right straight up into the ground. The Mm -hmm. best advice that I could give you for how to drop is to aim high above the net. Since it's a wiffle ball, if you even feed them some overheads, your opponent, you're going to have a great chance of getting that next shot and getting that next shot and getting that next shot. You'll have 100% more of a chance than if you hit that ball into the net. So I like to aim a little bit high, gauge it in, you know, beginning of the match or when I'm warming up and then progressively get lower. But I really try to avoid hitting any drops into the net and automatically killing the point. That's a great point. Sorry, I had an alarm going off on my on my phone, but I got that taken <laughs> care of. <laughs> so uh, you talked about, so the, the name that I've heard for this shot is the drip. Uh, I've also heard droop a little bit, but drip which is basically like a hybrid drive slash drop. So that's where you're hitting a drop, but you're putting a little bit more pace on it. And the only way that you're doing that is when you're putting topspin on the ball. Um, So it's tough to defend a drop as it is, 
because you're not allowed to enter the non-volley zone um, or you're not allowed to hit a volley out of the air um, within the non-volley zone. So, so it's tough as it is, but when somebody can hit uh, more of a drive drop or a drip consistently, then that ball is not only just coming over the net, but now it's just coming over the net with pace. And so after you've consistently drilled and been able to do uh, and been able to drop consistently, I would suggest starting to um, practice putting topspin on the ball with your forehand. Um, in, in most cases with your forehand, if you have a two-handed backhand, you can also put topspin on the ball. Um, typically though with a one-handed backhand and you want to drop, I would suggest putting slice or backspin on the ball. Um, I've actually found that backspin, my back, backhand backspin or slice drop can be pretty consistent. Uh, again, my swing path is, is actually pretty short and I'm not hitting too much of the ball, but I'm still moving it forward slightly. Um, Oz, how do you hit a uh, backspin or a backhand drop with spin um, or a slice? And how do you, what could you tell the viewers so that they could work on hitting their backhand drops? Um, and what could you tell viewers if they want to work on hit, hitting the ball with forehand top spin? For me, it's comfortable for me now. When I initially started, I would just do a push. And that was consistent to a point. But then it starts becoming inconsistent as you play better players because it's really hard to keep your arm totally straight and relaxed at the same time. So just mm -hmm. having this lift or this push drop, once you get a little bit higher levels, just doesn't work anymore. But now I'm extremely comfortable because I've drilled it, like I was saying before, with drilling, you you become really comfortable with things, is top spin. So what I like to do is I like to picture that I'm giving the underside of the ball and the backside, all the way from the underside to the backside of the ball, a haircut. And then I just come up that ball and I stop right here, right about at base height, consistently over and over and over again. So every single time that I drop, that would be for topspin. Slice on the backhand side is more comfortable for me than doing topspin because this side of my arm isn't nearly as strong as the front side of my arm. Um, so I like, I enjoy doing slice. That being said, I've been really working on doing topspin because I think it can be a lot more devastating for the opponent when it drips down or drops down low at their feet and kicks up at them. Makes it really hard for mm -hmm. them to keep it in the kitchen after that. But for my slice, I'm kind of drawing a little bit of a Nike swoosh, a small Nike swoosh, where I will start at about waist level. I'll go below my knee, and then I'll just cut up that ball, and I'll finish up at my shoulder. So it's this Nike swoosh motion that I'm creating as I come under the ball. And then the most important thing is that I'm, I stop my motion, but I'm staying relaxed throughout the motion. I'm not continuing on. That's how I do those. And then for a topspin backhand, if you want to start working on that, you need to make sure that your left arm is the dominant arm. Or I guess if you're lefty, it should be your right arm. But whatever your dominant hand is, let your other, your, your non-dominant hand take over 
as you hit that backhand topspin. And you're essentially doing the same thing. You're giving that ball a haircut from the bottom to the backside. And mm-hmm. then you're just doing that consistently and finishing over your shoulder and stopping right there, holding your finish. What about you, Spencer? What do you do for a backhand slice as compared to, have you tried doing a one-handed backhand topspin or do you do two-handed backhand topspin or are you just strictly slice? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty limited there. If I'm going to put two hands on it, I've been working on getting two hands on the paddle lately as I've always been one-handed before. So with my dink, if I want to put topspin on it from the backhand, it's just a one-handed dink to where I'll lock my wrist right. and just kind of pull it across my body. And I can do that consistently. I'm comfortable with that. It's helped me a lot. Um, but when it comes to the drop, uh, I'm giving away my secrets here for anyone that plays against me. But I'm typically <laughs> just going to do, because I'm more consistent with it, it's going to be just backspin. If I do put two hands on the ball, then you're probably going to know that I'm hitting a drive um, from my backhand. Sorry, two hands on the paddle, not two hands on the ball. So when I put two hands on the paddle um, on my backhand side, the only time I put two hands on my paddle, uh, then you probably it's it's uh, you know 99 times out of 100 that's that's going to be a drive. If I got one hand on it, I'm gonna. I'm going to be dropping that ball. I know it's something that I need to work on. Um, at the same time, I don't really suggest too many people do a one-handed topspin uh, drop from the backhand. Um, yeah. I would suggest practicing like I need to do, putting both hands on it and just drilling over and over and doing it again and again. Just have someone feed you balls to your backhand with pace, without pace, uh, lots of different, so you can see lots of different balls and get a feel for uh with with two hands putting top spin on the ball um there was another point i was going to make with that and i and i lost my train of thought well like you here for a second go ahead like you were saying before is uh he was calling it the drip i've never heard that before but i'm sure it's a common phrase if it's not what if we called it the draw so it's a mixture of drive and drop. <laughs> and drop. Drop. Yeah. What do we like drop. more? How about everybody leave a comment? We'll have a debate, okay? Whichever one wins. If Drav wins, I win. If Drip wins, Spencer wins. <laughs> so just comment below Drip or Drav. And, and how can, would you spell Drav? That's that's a good point. D R O V cuz that's going to be drove. D R O V. Let's just keep it right there. Drive. Yeah. All right. I'm, yeah, that'll I'm be interesting. <laughs> All right. So that's a lot on how to drop. Again, we I know we always do, but we love to stress drilling. Try these out. Uh, work, work on hitting these. And that way, when you are playing rec, if you don't play tournaments, or when you are playing tournaments, you're, you're going to be ready to go. You're going to be much more solid if you're if you're drilling these shots. Uh, let's talk a little bit about when to drop. I, you know, I know we've mentioned it briefly throughout talking about the other points, and these are going to cross over a little bit. Um, when to drop. So when you're receiving the ball, let's call it a third, unless that ball is coming too deep in the court or with too much pace, I would suggest, especially at the beginner level, dropping it every time. 
and getting used to working your way up to the net with the drop. Um, I would definitely drop a lot more than I than I would drive. Uh, most balls that are low and shorter in the court, I would still suggest dropping. I mean, and even for advanced players too, if if the ball is low and short, it's so much harder to drive and to get that ball, put enough spin on that ball to have it drop down just after the net. Typically, if yeah. you're driving a ball that's low and that's short, that ball is sailing pretty high. It's either going to go out or you're just setting up the other team to have an easy put away that's that's pretty high. Um, so that's, that's a situation to drop. Uh, another basic answer for when to drop is as much as you can. Unless you're unless you're getting a high easy ball in the middle of the court, practice dropping as much as you can. Have it be consistent, and you'll notice your drops get better over time. But what are some other ideas, Oz, for as as far as when to drop versus versus driving? I think we already touched on them. Just with if the ball is short, if it's lower than the net, drop the ball. If the ball is higher than the net, chances are you want to drive the ball because you can hit a downward trajectory. Uh, something just to touch on really quick is we should be looking to get to the non-volley zone as quickly as possible, while at the same time, we shouldn't just run up there as soon as we hit a yeah. drop every single time. It should be methodical, and it should be based off of feel. So I can feel when I hit a good drop, unless it's a windy day. Because then it's going to blow into the net sometimes where it's like, oh, that felt so good, but the wind blew it wide or it blew it into the net. But it's based off of feel from repetition where I know that that drop is going to be a difficult fourth shot for my opponent. Then I'm going to sprint to the net and try to get to the net as quickly as possible. So the more that you play, the more that you can feel on if your drop is going to be in, in that consistent spot. And then mm -hmm. you can get up to the net and continue to play at that point. So that's what Let's, I would touch on. But I, I feel like for the most part, we've covered the when to drop. But yeah, as often as possible. And if your drop, when you feel it and it's not perfect, you know, that doesn't mean you stay on the baseline. Maybe that means you take a couple of steps in and you get comfortable in midcourt until you can get that ball into the kitchen. But I think a big mistake that I see with a lot of players is they think, I just need to drop and drop and drop and drop and drop and drop and drop until I get a perfect <laughs> drop and then I'll run forward. But it's right. no, it comes from feel of knowing as soon as it leaves your paddle, that's a good drop. And that just comes from repetition. And then I also see with other players where they drop and their opponent runs to the net as quickly as possible. I mean, their partner runs to the net as quickly as possible. And I, I've played with people where I hit the drop and I know it's not perfect, but I see my partner run to the net and I'm like <laughs> points over because they just hit it right at my, my partner's feet. So find that right. feel first of all. And then second of all, get to the net as soon as possible. When you feel that that drop's going to be good. Don't waste your time at the baseline. Like a lot of players say, take a slow transition. No, get to the net as quickly as possible, but do it in a methodical way based off of feel. So hopefully that made sense. No, it, it absolutely does. I'm going to add a little bit more detail to that. So yeah. feel for me, um, if we're working on trying to 
get a feel for hitting hitting the drop like you said and and especially a feel for knowing if it's going to be a good drop or not you should know if you've drilled it enough you should know right after you make contact with the paddle not wait to see if it's a good drop right not wait yeah. to see that ball cross over the net and see okay that one was low enough now i'm going to make my way uh if you're drilling it enough you should know like you said by feel meaning uh meaning you'll know right after you make contact with the ball okay that one's either gonna barely touch the tape and not go over or that's the best drop so i'm getting up there i'm i'm going to the net or okay i felt that when i touched that one it probably didn't hit the sweet spot on my paddle gave it a little too much it's flying up and all of those thoughts can come through your head in a millisecond so you know beforehand by that feel of that ball I'm going to stay back and see if I can hit a better drop on the next one or drive on the next one or if, or if my partner can, but yeah, that feel comes, you know, knowing by feel means knowing well before the ball goes over the net and that will give you that time that you need to work your way up. Or you say, ah, this one's probably an average drop in your head. Again, this, our brains are pretty cool to where it happens in a millisecond. Yeah. You know, so this drop is average. I I felt it that it's average. I don't think they're going to be able to put it away, but at the same time it's not fantastic. Maybe I'll take a few steps up and work, you know, in the, in the mid court and see if we can then work our way to the kitchen. Um so so proceed with caution when you know that you didn't hit a great one. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with being in mid court in tennis it's a no-go it's called no man's land you don't want to be there at all you want to run through it as quickly as possible yeah there's no problem with being in mid court like spencer was saying if you hit an average drop and i think the most important thing is to communicate with your partner so it's go because you can feel that that drop's going to be perfect or it's stay back stay back stay back you can talk to your partner all you want and for those of you that don't know that haven't played in tournaments you can say anything so long as it's to your partner during the point so you can say out mm-hmm. and you can shout anything. So having that partner communication, I think, is really important so that your partner doesn't just run to the net. So it's just like, nope, stay, stay, stay. It's a bad one. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think something very, very rarely with the Johns brothers, the best in the world, very rarely do they sprint to the um, non-ball the kitchen line. line. Yeah. They take their time. But also very rarely do they miss a, a drop. Their drops are pretty dang on point every single time because all they do is drill. So yeah. they'll take their time getting to there, but they're very comfortable everywhere in the court. So drilling in different positions is also extremely important. But not to contradict what I said, you want to get to the net as quickly as possible, but it should be based off of feel and it shouldn't be an uncomfortable rush towards the net. Take it a baby step yeah, at a time. Get halfway there. What were you going to say? You're you're not contradicting what you said. I mean, that's exactly what you said from the beginning. You right. you do want to get to the net. You want to you want to turn defense into offense for sure. But you got to do it in a methodical way. You got to let your muscle memory tell you, uh, and you know by feel, and that's how you get there. Another point on uh, let's let's backtrack just a little bit on how to drop. One of the most common mistakes I see. Uh, with people that I play with or people that I help um, is when they're hitting the drop, they're kind of falling backwards. So their balance isn't good. 
So in other words, they're falling back to hit the drop instead of bringing their momentum and their body forward. Um, just a real common mistake. And I see lots of those drops either go short or, or also go too high. Um, so I would stress when you're drilling, and I'll explain how to do it in just a second, bringing your body momentum somewhat forward as you're dropping. Yeah. So now I'll explain how to do that. Sometimes a ball gets hit behind us, and I learned this from tennis. You got to try to get behind the ball. So if you're watching the ball, like you should be watching the ball closely, and you see that the ball is is going to be somewhat behind you, you need to kind of turn and make your way back. But at the same time, if you have the opportunity, once you are back and behind the ball, your momentum needs to be coming somewhat forward when you hit the ball. Uh, I don't know if I'm explaining that that well enough. No, but any circumstance, uh, in any circumstance, you want to try to, if at all possible, make sure that the momentum of your body is moving forward. So it gives you enough to get it over the net and enough um for the so that so that uh, you can put topspin on the ball or put slice on the ball so that you're not falling backwards and then that ball doesn't do what you what you want it to do. Uh, last point on that is footwork. In other words, uh, if you can avoid reaching for the ball, try to move your feet towards the ball instead. Of course, we're going to have to put the paddle wherever the ball is, so that would be considered a reach. But take the extra step to get behind the ball and bring your momentum forward. Does that make sense, Oz? Yeah, I really, really like that. Totally agree. Sometimes you're unable to and you're off balance, but then it just comes back to how many times have you hit this shot off balance while you were drilling? Well, Mm -hmm. you're going to be really consistent in that game if you've hit this shot a ton of times off balance where you don't have the opportunity to lean forward. But hopefully on your next shot you can. The other thing that I wanted to touch on was where to drop to location-wise. And right when I first started playing, there's this senior pro named John Hedberg who taught me to pick a specific location to drop to. And by doing that, I didn't know right when he told me, but by doing that the rest of the day, I was so consistent on my drops. And the spot that he told me to aim towards was the backhand of the opponents, wherever that was. Mm-hmm. So it was typically, I would want to go to the middle backhand. So it's, uh, majority of the time, it's going to be a, right, a right-handed player. They're going to be on the right side of the court. I'm trying to hit it to their backhand in the middle and avoid the forehand of the other right side, right-handed player on the odd side of the court. So dropping it to that backhand, having a target to hit consistently really helped me to not only get my drop in, but transition to the kitchen very easily because people's backhands aren't nearly as lethal as their forehands. I know of Mm -hmm. no one who could hit a backhand harder than they could hit a forehand. I don't know if you do, Spencer, but (laughs) no, it's a good strategy to just hit to that middle backhand. The reason that you don't want to hit to the backhand that's out wide is because they can Ernie that shot. They can jump over the kitchen and they can hit that ball out of the air and take away your drop really quickly, and the point's over like that. Mm-hmm. So it's aiming towards that middle backhand is really the place that you want to hit your drops majority of the time, but not every time. 
the second spot that I love to, to hit to is I like to set myself up for the Ernie. So I will drop it to the player, whichever player is running forward from the return. If they're late getting up, I'll drop it out wide because they're not able to jump that shot because they're late coming forward. I'll drop mm -hmm. it out wide, and then I run as quickly as I can to that corner that I dropped it to, jump over the kitchen, and I'm telling you, it's like 50% of the time, they pop you up the most perfect Ernie, and it just feels so good. Smash it at their feet or smash <laughs> it away from them. Yeah. The best shot. It's my favorite shot in the game. So just a little tip, yeah, out wide to whoever is running forward. If they're late coming forward, they need to be punished. So punish them. Yeah, got to teach them a lesson. Yeah. What about you, Yeah, Spencer? so there's, yeah, there's no... These are all great points. There's no hard and fast rule of, of where to drop to. If you are going to drop wide, like Austin said, try not to drop too wide. Or if you are dropping wide, you better be precise and that ball better be real tight to the net um, so that they don't put it away. So another reason to uh, drop to the middle, especially the middle backhand of, of uh, whoever's backhand it is in the middle, is uh, once once you go middle, the net is lower in the middle, two inches lower than it is on the ends. So that also gives you a little bit more clearance on your drop than if you were to hit it on either side of the net. Just with the dink or with the drive, whatever it is, uh, odds of that ball going over the net are always just a, a little bit better in the middle um, if you drop it there. And then what question did you ask me? Oh, sorry. Where do you drop it to? What's your strategy other than middle or out? Yeah, wide? so my go-to is typically middle because that's a little more consistent. But a lot of times, as far as where to drop to, try to read your opponents before you even start playing with them, or, you know, in warm-ups, and kind of see the person that's playing the net when they're warming up, how well they do and drop to the lesser of the two if you feel like they're even well then you're just gonna have to figure it out make sure your drops are consistent and that's what the drilling is for um, if you don't have it figured out before you start playing them try to figure it out during the game like uh, so and so you know you can even figure out pretty quick and I have maybe it takes two or three shots but hey so and so does not like the top spin drop so we're hitting top spin drops to him all day Right. Or, you know, um, he doesn't, you know, this guy or this girl doesn't like it on their on their backhand. They're struggling on where to put that ball when we drop to their backhand. So keep dropping backhand. Little things like that. Um, and quickly you'll determine where to hit it. You know, talk to your partner and figure out and, and make sure they're aware of that situation. If you don't tell them, maybe they don't know. Don't just assume that it's... A, an obvious thing but before you serve or you know that little bit of time that you have hey drop it to so and so they're struggling with this or hey we don't want to drop it specifically to anybody because they're both super solid let's make them move so we're going to drop middle and hopefully they clash in the middle you know uh, yeah. we're going to drop uh you know in in, in different spots so that uh, so that it's hard for them to determine where we're where we're going uh, sometimes you need to mix it up with certain people. Sometimes you can, 
you can catch them where they have their most airs and and hit there over and over Love so it. yeah that's where to on my end so what about who to drop to um this is point number five we kind of went into this with when um i'm sorry we kind of went into this with where but where and who kind of have the same there's some overlap there for sure so i uh, if you're in a tournament drop to the lesser of the two players um put a lot of pressure on them uh they're going to be nervous maybe even if they don't act like it put a lot of pressure on the person that you think is probably not as good as as the other player um and then who to drop to you know maybe it's someone that uh if someone's really good with um, a counter or a block on a drive, you know, mix it up and maybe that, that is the person to drop to. Maybe they're, you know, they have a lot of tennis experience. I know when I came in, um, I'm not bragging or anything, but from the very beginning, just with the little bit of tennis background that I had, I was asking people to drive me the ball, but I did not want to deal with a drop because that was a completely different concept for me. So even from the very beginning, I could block a drive anywhere. I'm, I'm fine with that. Or I could even counter some drives. Um, but you know, maybe that person that comes in from tennis, if you're dropping to that person, then it's not going to work out as well for them. And it, and it didn't for me in, in the beginning. That has to be practiced. Uh, who do you drop to, us? Yeah, I think obviously the weaker of the two players but something that you brought to my attention was when I'm playing against people that are consistently dropping into the kitchen every single time, it takes away any opportunities that you had to speed up the ball and try and keep them back. Because if someone's mm -hmm. dropping consistently into the kitchen, their partner is going to run forward. Their partner can choose to either poach and go across the court or they can stay exactly where they're at. So it makes that ball that you hit your only option that you ever have is just to hit it into the kitchen and it's actually extremely difficult to get that touch to hit it into the kitchen consistently over and over again so if you're playing people that are just dropping it over and over again into that spot puts all that pressure on you because if you pop it up or you try to speed it up you pretty much have to guess because if that guy doesn't poach chances are next point he's gonna poach yeah if you speed it back to try and keep his his partner back so it's getting consistent at keeping it into the kitchen with your fourth shot when you're playing the players and just accepting that, hey, this is going to be a dink battle. Let's wait for them to pop up the ball. Let's get into a dink battle. Let's try and hit it to their weakness. Let's try and put the pressure back on them. But I think the hardest thing to overcome is allowing your opponents to just come into the net because yeah. really quickly you can get down 8-0 just because they've hit eight consistent drops and every single time you've tried <laughs> to keep them back, but unsuccessful because their drops are too good. So you just mm -hmm. have to accept that they, they have to come to the net. It's time to dink it out, baby, and play out that point. So yeah, definitely hitting <laughs> yeah. to the weaker of the two, but that's just a little tip I'd say for the fourths. Uh, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't just be like, I have to keep them back. Accept that they can come forward. Get that knot out of your stomach um, for when they do come forward and just play out that point. I'm trying to think of what else yeah. I was going to say about it. 
But do you have anything else that you want to add? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what it I was. would say. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I wanted to just say for the technique on the drop, when you're first starting, focus on finishing with your paddle flat towards the location that you want to hit to. The reason that you want to do this is the margin of error is a lot less. So I taught tennis and pickleball for a very long time. And what I'd find with players is they would aim their paddle face towards where they wanted to go, but their paddle goes in, an, in a totally different direction from the location that they want to hit the ball. Right. So something that will really help with your consistency is finishing with your paddle flat towards where you want to go. Typically, like we talked about, middle backhand is where you want to hit your drop to. The reason for that is because it takes away, like Spencer was saying earlier, their angles. If you go stand in the middle of the court on the kitchen line, you'll see your angles are, they'll, they'll make a V with the angles that you can hit to. But if you go stand on the side of the court, now your angles are a lot wider because you can go yeah. really nasty angle all the way over cross court. Plus you can go all the way down the line. Plus you can go middle. Plus you can go halfway through the middle. Plus you can go halfway through the other middle. So making a note that the reason that we dink to the middle is because it takes away their angles, makes it extremely hard for them to keep you back because if they try to keep you back, they can really only hit just like it's really fine angle that they can hit too. So chances are they'll pop it up the middle. And so it'll get you into the kitchen a lot easier by taking away their angles. Yeah. Especially if your drop is good. What were you saying? The only way that your drop, I was just saying, especially if, if you have a good drop, I mean, it really limits their options on the other end. So when the opponents have a really good drop, it really limits your options on the other end. Yeah, so tough. expect it's good advice, like you said, to be in it for the long haul. Uh, like you mentioned, the Johns brothers, um, the most dominant male team out there and have been for a while. Uh, they will, they're typically in it for the long haul. They're not going to uh, force something um, that, that doesn't need to be forced, such as okay, this is a really good drop. I'm going to try to keep them deep, try to keep them deep, try to keep them deep, and then end up popping it up for the other team. Yeah. You know, maybe they accept, okay, I got to dink this one. They hit a great drop. Now we're in the, for the long haul, we're going to dink this out until they pop it up and, and we can become offensive. So look for off- offensive opportunities, but don't force offensive opportunities and, y- and you'll be much better off. Um with drops and with with all your pickle game yeah we really appreciate you guys listening hopefully this podcast has brought you guys value and will help to not only improve your drops but hopefully improve your entire pickleball game as a whole we appreciate you guys being with us we'll see you later pickleheads later pickleheads